Welcome to Success Leaves Clues Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Brackett, and I've been blessed enough in my life to meet individuals who've been able to leave me clues on my journey to success. The goal of this show is to bring you the experience of those who have achieved great things and allow you to be a fly in the wall, soaking up clues for your own journey to success. Hello and welcome to episode number nine of Success Leaves Clues podcast. I am your host, Gary Brackett, and I have a very special guest here today with me, uh, Mr. Josh Brown, who is a franchise attorney and also the founder of his own podcast, Franchise Euphoria. We're going to get into all that good information. Also a local Indianapolis guy, so talks about some of the growth that he's seen around the city and how he made the jump into entrepreneurship. Josh, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Gary. Thanks for having me. No problem, man. So tell us, so you grew up around Indianapolis. I'm born and raised. Born and raised in Naptown. Um, Grew up here, went to North Central High School, uh, then went to IU Bloomington, and then um, between undergrad and law school, worked for five years, and actually worked in management and sales, as well as in the franchise space. Uh, And so I happened to, just by happenstance, worked for a couple of years um, before I went to law school in the franchise space, one of which, ironically enough, was for a franchise that was owned by a former Colts player. Wow. And uh, I helped him kind of grow that franchise, knowing that I was going to go to law school eventually. And then I went to another franchise and uh, helped that local owner-operator try to grow his business as well, go on to law school, don't think anything about franchising, and then graduate, start working, and uh, slowly but surely, a couple years in, started getting calls from people about, uh, you know, small business, you know, entrepreneurship, you know, hey, can you help me with this, help me with that, and the marketing side of my brain said, I just don't want to be another small business lawyer because... There's so many of them out there. I got to have some sort of niche. Right. So I started thinking back to, well, what is a subset of business that I could maybe hone in on? I started thinking back to the franchise businesses. Now, now were they franchisees or were they franchisors? These particular two were franchisees. Okay. These were franchisees, and uh, both of them had uh, were recent franchisees, and they were looking to get off to the races and, and, and grow. Uh, one of them which was the former Colts player, had been operating for about a year, done fairly well, and then I came in and tried to help him, and we had some success. We, we, we doubled their, the growth. Uh, and then ironically, one of the things that I had helped do was try to help add to his team. And so one of the key people that I helped bring in, who was a good friend of mine at the time, has now owned that business for the last 15 years. So wow. I ended up buying it from, <laughs> from this person. So I sort of got an insight there just by doing, you know, sort of seeing, you know, firsthand, here's here's how these businesses are working, here's how they're operating. But I never thought of it from a legal perspective of right. now I'm going to go to law school and become a franchise lawyer. Never thought of it. Yeah. So at what point um, in, in your life, high school, did you think that you want to be an, an attorney? Were your parents attorneys or how did you kind of get that book? Yeah, I kind of grew up around it. My okay. my, my dad's an attorney. Uh, he's also a, a CPA mm. and insurance guy. He kind of wears a lot of different hats. Um, great background. And then I've got you know, my uncle, my aunt, my cousins. I mean, all of them are lawyers. And so in the back of my mind, I thought, well, at some point in time, I'll probably go to law school. I just, when I graduated undergrad, 
I was uh, done with school at the time. You know, yeah. I just wanted to go out, get some experience. And it was funny because when I went to law school, I initially felt like I was behind the curve. You know, I felt like, ah, oh, I'm tw- you know, at that time I was 26 years old. Most of the people in my class were 21. But the irony was when I graduated and I got out into the real world, I realized that I was really ahead of the curve because I actually had real world experience yeah. to where my classmates, a lot of them didn't. And so I saw that that was able to help me propel a little bit faster in my career than than some of the other folks. It was crazy when I um, went back and got my MBA in 2011, actually taking classes and having an understanding on what we were listening to, it just made a world of difference on how interested I was in actually engaging in school. Well, you realize, you know, I realized a lot of my classmates when uh, I was in law school, you know, I called it, I called it college extended for a lot of people who just didn't know what they wanted to do with their life. And, and, you know, in some instances, mom or dad or both were paying for them just to go to law school. Whereas when I went, A, I was paying for it. Still am. <laughs> it's an expensive endeavor. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, I mean, it's worked out really well for me, but I'm still paying. Uh, it's an expensive proposition. But um, but I knew that I was going to take advantage of every opportunity while I was in law school. So I participated in all sorts of different, you know, great activities, law review, moot court, everything, um, and really approached it from the philosophy of I'm going to take in everything and be focused, whereas I think if I had gone right out of undergrad, um, I wouldn't have had the kind of focus or direction that I had when I decided to go five years later. So you finished with law school. Did you go right into business for yourself, or did you first work for some other companies or a big law firm before you you branched out on your own? So I went and worked for a a medium to bigger size law firm here in town. I had, uh, and then I also clerked for an appellate judge. Mm. So, you know, there's the trial court judges, then the appellate judges will review their decision. So I had an opportunity to clerk for an appellate judge, which was a great experience. Uh, and then uh, after I worked for a couple different places, you know, once I, I worked at a firm right out of school, then when I worked for a judge, uh, had an opportunity to go back to that same firm, but I would have had to move to Evansville. Mm. Nothing against Evansville, but... Yeah. Um, that just wasn't going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, anyways, I went for to to a different firm, and that's when I slowly started picking up just people who would call. You know, hey, I need some help with this, or sometimes those people I know, or you know, randomly somebody would 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 call, and uh, and so that led to me slowly but surely starting to get my own clients. And that's when a light bulb went off in my head that thought, okay, I, I definitely enjoy working with people. I definitely enjoy networking. Um, I like to uh, be somebody who would attract business in, but I got to have a niche. Right. So that's where I came up with thinking about my experience from a business perspective with franchising and how could I apply that on the legal side. And, and literally, Gary, I, I knew nothing about franchising at that time in terms of the legal side. Right. And so as as a way to test out whether or not there was a viable market or whether or not I should go into the franchise realm. I just said, well, you know, the next the next cocktail parties, the next networking events I go to, when somebody asks me what I do, I'm just going to tell them I'm a franchise lawyer. <laughs> and so I, I did that. And the response I got was completely different from when somebody would ask me and I would say, I'm a small business lawyer. 
So now when I would say I'm a franchise lawyer, routinely I would get, really? I looked at a franchise at one point in time, yeah. or I wish I would have known because my cousin Sue just bought a franchise, or ah, that's really interesting. I want to turn my business into a franchise, and I would have people follow up with me who I met for 15 minutes over you know casual conversation a month, two months later, and I thought to myself, okay, there's something to this. So then the very first thing I did was I went and learned everything about wow. franchise law, read all the statutes, read all the cases, um, and really quickly realized that, A, there's not a lot of franchise lawyers uh, around, at least not in Indiana, um, and also that um, you know I was able to pick it up fairly quickly. And so from there, I just started picking up more and more franchise clients. I think what's surprising to me, I mean, obviously now we were at Stack Pickle. Um, you've done some work with us and, and, and always uh, was very timely and, and very efficient um, in that manner. But for, for franchising for the first time, I don't think people realize how big their franchising space is. I mean, pretty much every corner that you drive up to and there's a retail center, majority of those businesses are franchise businesses. So when people think franchise is a niche, I mean, it's a pretty big niche. It's a huge niche. Um, and the number one question I get from people, and, it, and it's, a, it's a telltale sign that people don't know how big the industry is, is they'll say, so what's the hottest franchise? Right. And my response is, that's like saying, what's the hottest small business? You yeah. got to give me some more some more information. I mean, are you talking the restaurant space? Are you talking the senior care space? Are you talking about Hotel, hotels, pets, pets, fitness, anywhere? Yeah. There's not one aspect of our economy that has not been franchised. Now, restaurants are always going to be the biggest. Um, and most people, when they think about restaurant franchises, you know, that's what they think about in franchising, you know, stacked pickle and the McDonald's and all that other stuff, right? And then, but a lot of people are surprised to know that wow, there's all these other franchise systems out there. Yeah, you know, and the, really, the fastest outside of restaurants right now, the fastest growing sector is healthcare franchises, mm. and it makes good sense because of all the baby boomers and, and all the healthcare population. aging population and healthcare issues that were that that we're having. So so from a franchisee's perspective, if someone is looking for a franchise, what what word of what words of advice would you give them in terms of when when should they begin their search? What kind of things should they be looking into? Um you, you know, what should there be approach on looking at franchises? Well, the very first thing that they should do and I advise I tell everybody this is they should really un determine if they are a good candidate to be a franchisee. Now, mm -hmm. what do I mean by that? The very first thing, more than just monetarily and so forth, but from a personality perspective, it takes a certain personality to be a franchisee. You know, that's why you see a lot of franchisees and successful franchisees who are veterans, you know, served in the military, used to serving you know, under a chain of command. Uh, you see a lot of people come from the corporate environment where you know, they've been in a corporate environment for 20, 25 years, and maybe they've been early downsized or maybe early retirement. They've built up a nest egg, and they've always wanted to do their own thing, but they've been very comfortable in an environment where they've got certain control, but they don't have the ultimate control over the system. And that translates really well into a franchise system. I always get a kick because I have people who will call me and uh, they are dead set on, I, I want to become a franchisee. And within the first phone call or two phone calls, if they're looking at a particular franchise, you know, I'll finally say to them, I'll say, you know, 
are you sure you want to be a franchisee? And they'll say, why? I said, because we've had two phone calls, and we've been looking at this particular system, and you've already identified 20 things you want to change about that system. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, and I respect that, right, okay? Right. But maybe you should just go create your own system. Yeah. Because you're not becoming a franchisee to go change somebody else's system. You're going to become part of a team, to become part of an opportunity, and Yes, if you're part of that opportunity for a period of time, franchisors will listen to your ideas and thoughts. But you can't go right into a system right. and think you're going to change everything. I mean, that is a recipe for disaster. But believe it or not, Gary, a lot of people do that. Yeah. And I think what happens is they get lulled into it because they think, oh, this is just a business in a box. I just go ahead and buy this business. It runs by itself. Um, they'll believe me because I'm a smart person and I've got this experience and that experience. What they don't factor in is all the work and effort that goes yeah. into turning your business into a franchise. You know, with with your example, with Stack Pickle, right? Yeah. I mean, all the time and effort that went into developing your system, your brand, your operations, your locations, running successful locations on a corporate level, running multiple locations, fine tuning how you deal, how you hire and deal with staff, quality controls, food operations, food costs, all that kind of stuff takes years and years to fine tune, and. I think a lot of times franchisees, if they don't approach it from the right mindset, uh, it ends up being a bad opportunity, not necessarily because it's a bad franchise, right. but because they're a not a good fit for the franchise. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's funny you say that. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've seen it as a vibe. People, you know, want to change the menu items and everything else and don't understand, like you said, how long it took to develop the menu that have we had, have we have it now and just how we've costed it out and really spent, you know, months, years on getting to the level that we are in terms of being efficient. Um, and and I, I tell people all the time, franchises are for people that want to be in business for themselves but not by themselves. That's right. And I think it, it's a good segue for someone who um, just got downsized or looking for a business opportunity, investment opportunity, um, and looking to be hands-on and making an uh, impact um, with themselves, I think franchise systems have been built on helping other people become successful. And and I've done it. I went in the restaurant business on my own without a franchise system in place, and I failed miserably because I didn't have those systems and those resources and all that data that you know you know Stack Pickle has had and years of historical data that helps you be successful. So I think a lot of times when you're a franchisee looking at a franchise opportunity, you have to factor in. In that equation, how much time that franchisor actually took in building those systems out? Well, sure. I mean, that's all part of the due diligence process right. that you want to go to. I mean, anybody who just casually goes in to a franchise uh, relationship, um, to me, it's as silly as casually going into any business relationship. I mean, if you were going to buy any business, you wouldn't just, you know, research it online and then go sign on the dotted line. I mean, you're going to do your due diligence. And it works both ends because, you know, as a franchisor, you know, you want to make sure it's so important that you make sure you get in good, qualified franchisees. I see. Right. I think sometimes people think, you know, oh, franchisors will just take anybody. That's not good. Franchises won't do that. You know, you want to make sure that on both sides, both on the franchisor franchisee side, you're both doing your own your good due diligence because ultimately you want it to be a good partnership, and uh, you want it to be a good team approach. Where as the franchisee continues to have success and more success. So does the franchisor. 
Yeah. And there's a synergy there to help grow. And if you don't get, if a person doesn't come in with the right attitude, person doesn't come in with the right experience, um, then a lot of times that doesn't necessarily transfer over. Yeah, and the goal from a franchisor's perspective is to find the people that, that want to grow with you, um, that want to help you out, um, but want to open up, you know, two, three, four, five, multiple locations and really believe in your system. Because looking at systems that started and been successful, some of the people that signed their first franchisee is still with the system, and now they have 30, 40 units with that system. So I think that's the perfect recipe from a franchisor standpoint, looking at the right franchise um, uh, individual. Oh, sure. I mean, if, you, if you've if you got somebody who has been a part of the system, has had some success, you know, it's a great strategy to go back to those same people so long as they have the capacity um, and the desire to go and, and, and expand to have them open more units because from your perspective it's it's a proven it's a proven commodity at that point i mean right. you know they've done a good job so you know that they're able to follow the system and run the system now it's a matter of making sure that they have the right capacity to now grow to multiple locations no and that's great and i think you've started a podcast franchise euphoria where you go over some of this information and you have the guests on talking about their experiences from both a franchisee and that franchise or side. Talk, talk to us about the podcast because you were one of the first to start a podcast. I mean, you had your podcast for a few years now. Yeah, it's been almost five years now. Wow. It may be over five years now. <clears throat> um, you know, I started a podcast because I was just a consumer of podcasts. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting in my office one day and I thought, well, why don't I just do a podcast? And, <laughs> and I really had no other thoughts other than, okay, how do I do this? I had a friend of mine who I'd gotten to know who's who's got a, a very large business podcast at this point. Um, who I reached out to, and uh, I, I realized it's not that it, it wasn't that difficult to go ahead and start. Um, you know, I had my Mac computer and a microphone, and and I just started recording episodes. The irony or the funny thing is, Gary, is that you know that podcast that I started just by doing it has been a catalyst for my entire franchise practice in terms of expanding my practice across the United States. Wow! So before the podcast. Yeah, I was mostly just doing work in Indiana, and that was fine. There's a lot of work in Indiana. After I started the podcast, I remember about two weeks after I launched my very first episode, I got a call from a guy in Alabama, wow. and he said, uh, hey, you know, I want to talk to you about reviewing a franchise I'm looking at. And I said, really? Well, let me tell you about me. And he said, I know all about you. I listen to your podcast. <laughs> and I thought to myself, that's a terrible accent, by the way, yeah. but, but that's my, that's my Alabama accent. But he was a nice guy. And, and I realized from that point was that when you can hear somebody, you know, you can hear the inflection in their tone. You can feel like you get to know them on a personal level. Um, you feel like you've got a relationship with people when you haven't even met them. And from that point on, I've had a number, a significant number. I think in a lot, I lose track sometimes, but I've picked up probably at least 35 new clients or more from directly from the podcast. Wow. Um, but more important than that, I mean, I, my goal in doing it is to provide free, valuable, good information mm-hmm. for people who are looking to buy a franchise and people who are looking to grow through a franchise or model, you know, slow, emerging, growth-minded entrepreneurs. And I've been... I've been very fortunate to have on tremendous guests um, and, you know, also be able to share some of my experiences so that people who are looking at a franchise system 
can also, you know, listen to a podcast and hopefully think about things in, in maybe a little bit different way based on the experiences that I've had. No, that's awesome. And, and I listened to a few episodes and, and definitely some valuable um, information. And I think my mindset starting a podcast, Success Leaves Lose, was the same thing, right? How can I create value and, and give before I'm, I'm asking for a favor in return? And I think by doing so, uh, people look at you as expert in space and, and some of the valuable information that you share. People welcome that information, and, 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 and I think they build a connection through you through the airways and want to get close. We, we've also had uh, several people reach out for franchise opportunities because of the podcast, because some of the guests that we had on, because they think they think of you as a leader in your space and someone who creates value. And if you don't have the answers, I always feel like I should have the people around me in my circle that have the answers for you. And we just we talked about that a little bit before the show about like why what are some reasons people hesitate to have attorneys, you know, in their corner when they're looking at a franchise location? If we're going to invest a couple hundred thousand as a franchise, it's probably worth it to pick up a phone and talk to a lawyer and spend a few thousand dollars having someone help you review that information. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of reasons. First of all, I think people who are looking at entrepreneur opportunities sometimes uh, have have what I think is a is a is a false belief that they can just do it all themselves, right? Mm. I don't I don't need the help. I can just kind of vet this. I think people have a false sense of how much it's going to cost, um, and because uh, as a percentage of what you're about to purchase is not very much. Um, but also, I think a bigger thing that I've noticed is at least with franchisees, okay, who are looking at at buying into a system, they have this sense that well, how much is the franchisor really going to change in the document? You know, if I can't get them to change something, then why do I need a lawyer? And and I always smile when I hear that. that it just doesn't make any sense to me because it's not just about what you change in a franchise agreement. It's about actually understanding yeah. what you're signing up for. And I, if I had a dollar, Gary, for every person who called me and said, hey, I don't know if I want you to review the whole thing. I've read it. I just want you to look at it, you know this part. And I and I was in a very nice, respectful way. I said, "Listen, I understand that, but this is what I do. If I'm going to do a review for you, I'm going to do a complete review because I'm not going to put you in a position where I review three parts because you read the other parts. You probably read it and probably understand it fine, but based on my experience and my background and my training, I think I'm going to be able to point out some things that maybe you haven't realized or add some additional value um, from that perspective, just in understanding what you're getting into because." The big thing is, is these agreements are long-term agreements. You know, yeah, the average agreement is ten years. Yeah. Some are. I've I've worked on ones that are twenty years. Wow, which is a long time. And so, both from a franchisor and a franchisee perspective, you want to make sure that it is a good fit. Yeah, and um, it is certainly worth the time and effort to have a professional who knows what they're doing take a look at it. I, I would go a step farther from a franchisor um, side. And to have a franchise attorney look at it because, like you said, all attorneys aren't created equal. And just because someone's an attorney doesn't mean they can review a franchise document. Because I've seen documents marked up from a franchisee from a, a non-franchise attorney. And it's like, this this is how this works. Like, the FDD calls hundreds of thousands of dollars and it constantly gets evolved and renewed. There's not a document that you can change. There's stuff that you can clarify. But for the most part, you should really have an understanding and manage your expectations on what you're getting yourself into. And also, you know, most things are slated towards the brand. And it has to be for that brand to be successful because I think um, if you're upholding the standards of the brand, 
you want to make sure that someone a town over is doing the same thing because that that better protects you um, in, in your store. Well, you know, first there's there, there's federal franchise laws that right. govern on a national basis, on a federal basis. But there's also state franchise laws in many states, not all states, but many states. And so you got to be cognizant of that. And I think that I I can always tell, you know, when I'm working with franchisor clients, franchisee clients, if the attorney on the other side doesn't have any experience in franchising because to your point, you can see how things get marked up. Whereas, you know, from my vantage point, because I do work on both sides, um, you know, I always tell people that I have a pretty good sense of what is fair, what's reasonable, what could be changed, what, what could be tweaked. But when you see a document, like you said, that a franchisor has spent a tremendous amount of resources on and created and is going to be standardized, you will get sometimes the attorney on the other side who you can tell doesn't have experience in the franchise role, and they mark up every single thing. Well, the reality is in a franchise relationship, it is going to be favored towards the franchisor because you're the one who's built the system. Yeah. You're the one that has the the intellectual property that you're protecting, and you've made the investment into your brand and into your systems and into your operations. I mean, this is highly valued intellectual property that needs to be protected, and you have to have a contract that's going to adequately protect that while at the same time give a franchisee an opportunity to go out and have success. So there is sort of a fine line there. But you're right. I mean, it def- you anybody, not every, and any good attorney stays in their lane. I truly believe that. I think that, um, I think years and years ago, you know, there it, it, there were a lot of, you know, general practitioner lawyers. I think the law is very complicated. I think it's complex. And I think that lawyers are wise to pick lanes that they fit in. Right. Um, and if like if somebody calls me on a uh, personal injury matter, I'm not taking that. Yeah. I refer it out. You know, that's not my lane. You know, I'm going to stay in my lane. And so, you know, uh, uh, when you're working with a professional in any regard, and attorneys are no exception, you know, the if if you have a focus, then there is significant value in working with somebody who has seen a lot of the issues that are there, as opposed to somebody who's just a novice with it. Yeah, and and I think one thing. Um, probably could t- touch on a little bit of just managing people's expectations in regards to people thinking, well, if they don't change, this is a deal breaker. They, they should probably have a different mindset because most of the stuff, like you said, has been legal documents have been spent um, and it's not going to get changed. So you have to, at some point when you're jumping into a franchise, you have to be good and comfortable with that system and what that document says because they're going to hold you accountable towards that. Yeah, I mean, I've always, you know, I've always focused on making sure that, you know, if there are deal breakers, usually it's because the franchise agreement doesn't comport with the state law, mm. and and so you need to be concerned about those things. Um, but it's funny because I've I've had situations where I've been negotiating with the other side, and I learned this is what amazes me, Gary, is you learn some franchise systems they don't even rely on their legal counsel. So I'm sitting there talking with somebody and then they reach out to me and it's like they're asking me advice on their franchise deal and you can tell that uh, okay, maybe you need to go get some some right. advice on your own. But but that's where it, it, it gets into a situation where, where where people have to be careful. Is you want to make sure that that everything's complying with, you know, the state regulations, the federal regulations. Um and you want to make sure 
that you're comfortable with the opportunity. And if there's things in there that you're not comfortable with, it's better to know at the outset and not dive in right. than it is to dive in. Uh, but but the approach that people take, it, it's I find that a lot of people, especially in this day and age, um, they spend a lot of time online doing research, and that's great. You can do initial research online, and there's a whole lot of information. But there's a whole lot of bad information, too. Um, and uh, and there's also there's a lot of brokers. There's a lot of consultants. And not all brokers and consultants are made equal. Yeah. So you got to be careful in who you're working with there. But then beyond that, really the people who are going to give you the most objective advice where – what I mean by objective is, you know, their incentive is to have your back as opposed to just selling a franchise or something like that. Is your professional team, you know, your lawyer, your CPA, you know, your insurance person, your banking person, you know, those kind of people are going to be there to help give you the objective advice that you need as you grow, grow your system. And I think that's invaluable to have. Yeah, no, that's 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 great. So, um, where, where can they find more information? If someone's out there, what they want to get in contact with you, where, where can they find you at? Well, you can go to uh, indiefranchiselaw.com. It's I-N-D-Y franchiselaw.com. Uh, you can email me, josh at indiefranchiselaw.com. Or if you'd like, you can pick up the phone and call me at 317-688-9111. And the uh, franchise euphoria where, where can they find you at um, on your podcast? So the podcast you can find on iTunes or any place where podcasts are, are, are listened to. You can also go to franchiseeuphoria.com. It's got its own it's got its own website. And you can look because I've got an upcoming episode with yeah. Gary Brackett. Uh, we, we've already recorded it. It just hasn't gone live. And I can tell you um, it's a fantastic episode. Hearing your story, hearing about how what, what you've overcome and how you've uh, have you have achieved all that you have achieved was really inspiring. Now I appreciate that, and and uh, for all the listeners, the success leaves clues. We're definitely gonna show the links on all of our pages as well, so you'll definitely uh, see their information when it comes available. Um, so last question, we always do this every show. Um, the podcast is called Success Leaves Clues. So um, I just want to ask you, what's one clue that you have found out of you had discovered in your life that kind of led to your success? Well, I think that in anything that you do, you have to figure out um, where your motivations and your passions meet. Um, I think that for some people, they're 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 motivated, you know, by money. I think for some people, they're motivated by cause. Mm. I think for some people, they're motivated by a combination of the two. Uh, for me, any success I've ever had in life has always been a combination of it being something I'm passionate about combined with a good market opportunity for it you know combined with obviously having good people to help around you to help you know give good advice so th that's the biggest thing that i've seen. anything that i've ever done where i where i've tried to force it or i've tried to do it for alternative reasons it's never been mm. successful so you have to bring an authenticity you've got to bring a passion you've got to bring hard work um, and I think uh, those things are really what mostly contribute to success long term. Nah, that's awesome. That's great. Well, well I appreciate your time. Um, again, this has been Success These Clues Podcast. Please like us and subscribe to the channel. And um, also look out for our upcoming episodes where you can find out more clues that can lead to your success. This is Gary Brackett, and I'm signing out.